It is great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Also, let's give it up for our God Behind Bars guys. We love you guys. Grateful for you. So glad to have you guys here one week to Easter. Can you believe that? That is crazy. Doesn't it just feel like it just turned 2019? What happened? I mean, it is just, time is flying. It's crazy how it does that. I know my kids would say, Dad, you sound old right now. I know, but it's just really true that time really does seem to go faster as you get older. But so glad you guys are here today. We're, we're in our uh, series called Crushed. And uh, today I'm really excited about the message because this is week three of it as we conclude and, and go right into Easter after this. And of course, the, the Garden of Gethsemane, of course, is right where Jesus was right before he went to go to the cross. And, and so it, just the timing is perfect. But as we look at this today, I want to talk about something that may be surprising to you a little bit because God doesn't just have a crushing for us to have to go through, but then there's a pressing after that. And that may be a little depressing to you, but the truth is, is that God presses us because it's out of that that we flow with what's called an anointing. An anointing is just where we have power that comes over us in such a way that we, we have gifts, we have talents and abilities. That's also part of your anointing. And so we're gonna talk about that today. And so pull out your notes if you will, let me give you some things to write down. As you do that as well, uh, let's hear a mission statement together. Our mission is to do what as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. And boy, do we have an opportunity for you to do that very thing this week with Easter coming up. And so pull out your notes though. Let's dive right in. Today's message is called Press Into Your Purpose. Now we talked about, of course, first week, we talked about how you have to cross the Kidron Valley, which is where you go through some betrayal, some bloodshed, some difficulties in your life, right? And then you go to the Garden of Gethsemane and the Gethsemane Garden is actually called the Garden of the Crushing. It's where they literally would crush olives and to make olive oil. All throughout the Bible, when they talk about someone being anointed, that means God power, God's power came over them. They were able to do great things. When they talk about the anointing, oftentimes they actually would anoint someone with olive oil. So that's what it refers to. It refers to the fact that all of us have a special call, a special gift, special talents that God gave us. In fact, I believe that everything that you do naturally good is actually a supernatural gift. Because what gift, what is it that you have that didn't come from God? So if there's anything you're good at, that's actually a supernatural gift that God has given you as well. And so we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. But as we dive in, Gethsemane is an Aramaic word for all oppress. And so that's where they would crush. Uh, but before, before they would start off crushing all of this, so let me just set up a word picture for you here if I can. So they would be on the Mount of Olives. And so you got the temple and then the Mount of Olives comes down. And then uh, you've got the, the, uh, the brook, uh, the Kidron Brook, Kidron Valley. And then you go right into the Garden of Gethsemane. So Gethsemane, they would basically pull all these olives off the trees and just throw them on the ground and they would roll down the mountain. And so at the bottom of the mountain, that's typically where they would have wine presses or an olive press because then they would have a small cave that they would dig out so that they could keep it cool when they, when they, made, uh, when they actually crushed the, the, uh, the olives and so, or the grapes if you're doing wine. And so that's what they would do. And so that's exactly where Jesus went to pray. He went into this cave basically to pray. So he went further in. We talked about this last week and everyone else, they stayed and prayed and of course fell asleep while he went and prayed. And Jesus also, by the way, went in to talk to God three different times. I don't know if you noticed that in scripture, but he first went in and said, God, there's any way this could pass for me? Uh, Lord, that'd be great. And then the second time, God, I know that this is your will. The third time, Lord, I fully surrender to your will. So there was three times when Jesus goes in and he presses in with the Father. Well, I don't know if you know this, but an, oil, an olive oil press presses olives three different times. 
And there's distinct things that happen in that press. And so the key verse for the day is really pretty simple. Mark chapter 14, 32 says this, they went to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane means the garden of crushing. And I believe that God wants you and I to go to a place called Gethsemane too. And so the first thing that happens is we're crushed, but after that we get pressed. And so I'm gonna break that down. But let's first describe what an anointing is. First John 2, 27 says this, as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his, anointed teach, as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and it is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. What this is saying is the fact that you have an anointing on your life, if you want to know the area you have an anointing on your life, it's the area no one had to teach you. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't have people that coach you, that develop your gifts, but there's just something already in you that God placed in you. I tell young preachers when they come talk to me about preaching and they ask me questions about it, I said, well, if, before we go into any kind of help I wanna give you on how to preach, not that I'm some expert, but if, if I can help, I'd love to. But I'll tell them before I go into anything that I've learned about preaching, let me just ask you this. Do you have any preach in you? In other words, is there a natural ability that God gave you that you're just good at talking? Because if you don't have that to start with, it's probably not your anointing. But the way you know it's your anointing is you just kind of are pretty good at it already. And then from there, we can develop it. Now, pretty good at it doesn't mean everybody wants to hear someone for the first time preach. Trust me, I was horrible the first time I preached. But there was still something about me getting up in front of people and talking that I'll never forget when I was in high school. I, there was a, a young teacher that, that this, another teacher asked me to do like a presentation before all the teachers. When I couldn't believe I was doing this. They were like, would you just present this and that? And I was like, okay, sure. I don't even remember what it was about, but I presented this. And one of the young teachers afterwards came to me and they said, hey, I need to talk to you. I was like, what? And she said, you need to know something. You're really good at that. People are not good at what you just did. You really should do that for a living one day. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you should talk. I was like, I don't know what that means, like talk for a living. I don't know. She goes, I don't know what is next for you, but and she was not even a believer, but she just said, but I'm just telling you there's more there. I was like, thank you. I don't know what that means, but okay. So there were signs all along the way. You're the same way. There's certain things you're just good at. Some of you are just good with your hands. You're just, you're just very good with, with fixing stuff. I am horrible at fixing stuff, but my father is amazing at it. I, I'm, just, I'm so jealous of that gift. When I was a little kid and he'd say, hey, let's go work on the car, that meant I hold the flashlight, he does all the work. That's what that means. <laughs> but he was really gifted at that. Some people are just, you're all gifted at something. Turn to the person next to you right now and say, you're gifted. Just let them know right now. You're gifted. Tell them you're special. You really are. Now turn back and say, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't brush your teeth. <laughs> now here's the thing. God has given you great gifts. He wants you to use those gifts for him, but also for this world as well. And so what does this mean? You are anointed, number one, which means you are gifted and empowered. There's a certain area of your life that, think about dominoes that are, that are all lined up. If you knock one domino over, maybe one more knocks over. But the area that you're anointed in, that you're gifted and empowered in, you knock one domino over and 10 go over. That's the area that just, it just seems like you're naturally good at something. People say, wow, it's like you don't even have to try. You're just so good. Just imagine if you did try in the area you don't have to try if you really develop that gift. So the truth is that we all have something like that about us that God has given us. Look guys, the same God who created the mountains and the oceans decided the world needed you too. Think about that for a second. And so we are the height of his creation. And so and he made us after he made the ocean and the mountains. I mean, how beautiful is that? 
And then he made you and he put gifts in you. You have something to give the world. And so you have an anointing. Anointing is a word maybe you didn't grow up hearing. I didn't grow up in a church culture that used the word anointing much. It was in the Bible the whole time. We just didn't talk about it. They just felt a little weird and fuzzy to us. So we didn't talk about that. We talked about talents, abilities, but it didn't dawn on me that really an anointing is just when God's power comes upon your talent and your ability. So that's really what we're talking about. But I believe God has anointed you to do great things. And so how do you get the, how do you get the anointing to flow in your life? Oh, that's easy. It's the same way since we know anointing in scripture is the olive oil. How do you get oil to flow? Well, that's simple. You first have to crush the olive, then you have to press the olive. So if we wanna get your anointing flowing to where you're using your gifts at such a high level that the world has to stop and recognize what you do, you have to go through a crushing and a pressing. And so I just wanna break this down to you. In fact, if you look in scripture in 1 Samuel 16, David actually went through something just like this. In fact, I was gonna actually read this to you real quick and see if I can find it. Uh, I had this marked earlier, sorry. Let me see if I can find it real quick here. I'm sorry, guys. Should have. Here it is. 1 Samuel 16, 13 says this. Just write that in your notes. 1 Samuel 16, 13 says, So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil, of olive oil. He had brought and anointed David with the oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Wow. So he was anointed to be king. Now, notice he didn't become king yet, but he was anointed to become king. They literally took olive oil, poured it over his head. It was a sign of the anointing, and then the power of God came upon him. It was like, wow, he used to watch sheep. Now he watches sheep with some pep in his step. He used to play the harp. Now he's like hitting all the notes. He used to kind of, you know, like, wow, all of a sudden he seems more assertive and he's like, got something going on. You see, he has an anointing on him. There's just something about him that when he steps in, when you step into the anointing, people notice. People know something is different. Have you ever done something? Let's be honest right now. We don't like to talk about this because it sounds like we're being, being braggadocious. We're not ragging on our God today. Have you ever done something that people went, whoa, wow, uh, where'd you learn to do that? Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. How in the world did you just do that? We all have moments where we astound other people that if you dig a little bit, there's your anointing. We all have things like that. And if you haven't discovered that yet, keep going. God will show you. Some of you are just naturally good at numbers. Just, it wasn't just that you went to math class, you aced math class. It just wasn't that you took accounting, you aced it. You just, it's like you knew it as good as the teachers. Some of you are just really good with numbers. It's amazing. But all of us have something that we're good at. My wife is such a good mom. She's a great mother. But here's the funny thing about that. I didn't realize not only is she a great mother with our kids, she like is a great mother to other kids. Like there's other kids that come in our home and I've noticed that they just flock to her and they'll start pouring their problems out there and talking with her. And she's just kind of mothering them as well. I'm like, wow, this is really cool just to see this in motion. One of my, one of my kids' good friends lost their mom. And so he comes over and, and he gets in these huge conversations with Jessica and she just encourages him and pours in him. It's really a blessing to watch that. And so, you know, he has refrigerator rights in our house. I love that. There's a lot of kids like that, that just our house for some reason is a house that they all come to, you know? And so, and, and that's great except for the grocery bill. But other than that, it's really good. <laughs> because my wife is just good at mothering. In fact, she's the mother of the house here. And there's a lot of women that have actually sort of been mothered to some degree by my wife that just say, okay, let me, let me, let me just show you how to do that. I get it, you know, they'll come to her and oh my gosh, they're going crazy with the little kids. And going. She says, yeah, it's just the season you're in. We all went crazy in that season. And she just encourages them. It's just a gift that she has. She's been mothering me for a long time. I need that. You know? 
No, but the truth is this. We all have special gifts, things we're just good at, and go ahead and lean into those things. Now, here's the thing. The first thing you have to go through is, is a, a crushing. And so I want to put a diagram up if I can real quick. I want to show you this because I want to actually show you the ancient olive oil press, okay? So the first picture we have is the actual Israel uh, uh, olives. In fact, right now, still to this day, olive oil is one of the number one exports of Israel. And so to this day, it still is, okay? Especially if you can get olive oil from Israel, it's like, whoa, that's got spiritual meaning as well. Even though it's not just that, it's really good for food and everything else. So, and so this is, the, this is the actual olives. But here's the thing, these olives are hard. People think like, oh, they're squishy, right? Not at all. They are hard. You don't want to get hit by one. I mean, they're pretty tough. And so they actually have to crush it. So the first thing they do is they, they pick them off the tree and then they put them in a bin. Let me show you the next picture if we can. They put them in a bin like this and then they have this huge millstone that they, that they normally hook it up to a donkey or some other kind of animal. And then they, they put all the olives in there and as the donkey goes around, it crushes by the weight of it all of these, these olives. And here's the reason why this is important. The reason you have to go through crushing is because a true crushing of the olive means it will never return to its first original state. For you to be used of God, you have to go through such a crushing that you can never return to who you used to be. Oh, I'm preaching now, guys. I'm not, I'm not hearing any amens over here, but I know I'm preaching to you. The truth is this, is that God will bring you through something. You say, I can never be saved. Sometimes it's frustrating. We think, I just wish I could be that innocent little girl, little boy again. I feel like I've gone through this stuff. But you don't understand. You had to go through the crushing. You see, actually, when these olives go through it, they will never have the original form again. They actually turn them into paste. And so it's just like a mushy paste after it goes through this. And so, but that's just the first process. It's not done yet. We still don't have the olive oil flowing yet. So then the next step is they take this pastiness and they put them in these sacks that they call mash sacks. Let me show you those. That's a mash sack. And so it looks like a wheel. And so they open it up and they, and they take this pasties. It's really gross, by the way. And isn't it true that when you go through a crushing, it's pretty gross? Let's be honest, right? You go through some stuff. So they, they take all this and they just throw it in the sack and they, they kind of mix it around towards, it looks, like, it looks like a big wheel. And that's because they, they're going to take it and they're going to put it um, on a pole and they're going to put them each on a pole so they can then, mash them together. And so that's what they do. And so they, they, they put them in these mash sacks. Some of you feel like your job right now is a mash sack. Some of you feel like a former relationship was like a mash sack. You're like, I just, I'm not the same anymore after that one. You know what I'm saying? Some of you have gone through some stuff. Wouldn't this be a great, this is like our new curse word. Isn't it like, like you hit your thumb with a hammer, you go like, mash sacks, ugh, right? <laughs> just a great phrase, I'm telling you. But, but when you're put in that spot, you feel the pressure, the weight and so there are three pressings. Once they get these mash sacks, they, they put them all on the press. And here's what the press looks like. Let me show you the press next. And so this is where they put the mash sacks and they put a, a weight on it. And so you can see then they add weights to each pressing. So the first pressing gives us the most pure oil. Second pressing is a little less pure and the third one's pretty rough. But there's three levels and there's also three levels to your anointing. Are you with me? So let's go, let's unpack this right now. So what, what does that look like? Let me, let me show you one more picture, sorry. This is, this is uh, one more picture, this is like a diagram, but this was someone just, so what I just showed you a minute ago was like a larger one, uh, but this is like someone's family uh, olive press. And so, but if, in case you really wanna be super biblical today, you can actually go right now to Bed Bath & Beyond and order your own <laughs> olive press for $260. So, okay, so if you really feel spiritual today, you can go and order that, so. <laughs> it's kinda cool. So, okay. You're like, this is so mysterious. And like, I can go get it, Beth, Beth, and beyond. What? You know, like, you can. So there are three pressings. There are three rounds of pressing that you will go through 
for your anointing to flow. The first round is this. The first pressing represents this. It's your first fruits. Your first fruits. Leviticus 27.30 says this, 10% of everything you harvest is holy and belongs to me, whether it grows in your fields or on your trees. And so the very first thing that they would do, according to this verse, literally everything on that tree, the first percentage of it goes to God. So the very first pressing, they don't touch any of that oil. The finest oil and the first oil goes to the temple. They literally in Israel to this day will take that first flow of oil and they package it up and they take it to the temple as an offering. Did you know that? And so let me tell you why this is so important. You see, when you bring an offering to God, when you bring a tithe or a first fruit to God, that's the first portion of all that you earn, what you're really saying to God is, God, I surrender my life to you. You cannot see the anointing flow in your life unless you understand the concept of tithing. And this may sound like, man, I mean, this is kind of rough, Pastor. I, I thought I was going to hear about the anointing and you're challenging me to have to give. Oh, it's kind of tough, isn't it? It's almost like you're being pressed. It's almost like I'm putting some pressure on you. But do you want God's anointing to flow or not? By the way, do you know how much olive oil consists in that little olive? Do you know how much oil is in there? Between 10 and 35%, which by the way, scholars tell us that between 10 and 35% is what the average Jewish person would give to God in one year. 10% is the minimum give, that's, that's, the, that's the tithe. And then with all the festivals and special offerings that people would give, the feast of shelters, the feast of wheat, the feast of this, all the different ones would come up to about 35% percent of someone's income. You say, well, I can't give 35% of my income. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just simply saying this, that your income and your gift to God is, a direct, is in direct proportion to the amount of anointing you'd like. And so they would give up to 35% of their income to God. You may think that's crazy. There's people in this church, in this church that do that. There's people that do that. It's very possible, actually, believe it or not, over time, if you just stay consistent. You can do it. And I'm not even saying that needs to be a goal of yours, but I will tell you one thing is needs to be a goal is to honor God with the tithe, is to bring that to God. If you'll do that, you're saying, God, I surrender my life to you. The first pressing is, do you really surrender your life fully to God? See, it's not about the money, guys. God doesn't need your money. It's not about that. You need to be blessed by God. It's not about what you give to God. It's about what God can give to you, but you have to trust him enough to say, God, I, I put my life in your hands. You know why we're so sensitive about money? Because we work so hard to earn it. So it's like, man, I had to give my hard-earned day to earn that paycheck all week long. And so, and now I'm supposed to give a portion of it to God. So what you're really giving God is a portion of your what? Your life. Because you earned it. And so that's what we're actually doing. So the first pressing is the first fruits. The second pressing uh, is three different things. It is food, medicine, perfume, and cosmetics. Let me say that again. Second pressing is for food, medicine, Perfume and cosmetics. Let's break that down. So the, first, the, the second pressing is for food. It says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands uh, upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So what does this mean for food? This means that you eat off of your gift. And let me just encourage you right now. Some of you right now are frustrated because you're not earning a lot of money. So I just, can I help you right now with this? Is it okay? Can, I, can your pastor just get real practical here? If you're frustrated thinking, man, I just feel like I don't earn enough money to really provide for my family, to really be able to reach the goals that I have financially. I wanna honor God, Pastor. You're talking about giving the first 10. I, I don't feel like I have enough to do that. So how do I do that? Well, first of all, we have to trust God when we don't seem like we have enough because God multiplies what we have. But the second thing I wanna encourage you to do is that especially if you're early in your career, just keep this in mind. The further you are from your gifts and what you do eight to five, the less money you'll make. And the closer you get to using your gifts, Every hour of the day, the more money you'll make. Why? Because you're good at it. And so right now, you're probably not working directly in your giftedness. 
You can't just typically walk into a corporation and say, hi, I'm good at this, let me do that. They're gonna be like, uh, no, you're 20 years old, you're barely out of college or still in school, and so this is the job we have. So you have to work your way to using your gifts. It's not an overnight thing. Hey, David, I know you're called to be king, but the truth is right now, the king that we already have just needs you to play the harp. So he's over there, he's playing the harp. He's like, this is not what I wanna do, but you know what? He realizes, hey, wait a minute, I'm closer to the king though, so I can learn how he does stuff. And of course, in this situation, you learn how not to do stuff because Saul was a horrible king, but he, he did learn. He got to meet people on the inside, got to connect with people. So oftentimes, when you're, when you're starting off, you're not actually using your gifts. You're assisting someone else using their gifts where you want to be one day. It's okay. And the closer you get to using your gifts, the higher your income will go. Does that make sense? You should be eating off of your own gifts. And what does that also mean is that some of you right now are thinking, well, what I do for a living has nothing to do with what I'm good at. That probably means what happened was you had bad advice given to you that said, take this job because it pays well. So you jumped right to the paycheck and now you're locked into that paycheck because what happens? You ramp up all your bills. You're like, I just have to keep doing this. I can never change. And so you're gonna have to make an adjustment and you're gonna, you, so you, but I've already climbed this ladder, but I really wanna be on this ladder. Well, to jump from one ladder to another, you lose some rungs. But if you'll do that in a little bit of time by faith, you'll go far higher than you could have gone on the other ladder. Does that help you? God wants to help you earn more. Yeah, getting your anointing. Because you're good at it. And so whatever you're naturally good at, you should be using, utilizing that. And so that is not only meant to serve the world, it's also meant to serve your own family and to help take care of yourself and your family. Let me just say a little note here too, by the way. What you don't find in the Bible is side hustles. You don't find that. In fact, we have a side hustle economy right now, and we wonder why we're not getting anywhere. The longer you focus on a side hustle, the longer it takes you to get into your anointing. I just wanna, I just wanna warn you. You say, well, shut, I can't do anything on the side. You can do stuff on the side, but you wanna be really careful that it's not taking away from what you should mainly be focused on because the truth is, is that you're thinking, oh man, but I earned an extra 300 bucks. Congratulations, but if you would have focused more on your anointing and on pressing into the main job that you have, you could be making an extra $10,000 in a year or two. And so oftentimes we are stumbling, you know, over dollars to reach dimes because we're not using our main gifts. Use your gifts. And if you'll do that, it'll take you further. Does that help you guys? Yes. All right, so let's keep going. Second pressing is for food. Also the second pressing is for medicine. Some of you guys have been really hurt. Some of you guys have been really, really through some difficulties and you're like, man, that you talk about that millstone that just crushes you, doesn't leave you the same anymore. That's me, I went through a divorce. That's me, I went through a betrayal. That's me, I went through bankruptcy. That's me, I went through a lot of debt. I went through an addiction. That's me, I feel like I'm not the same anymore. And I'm so hurt, I'm so wounded, I'm, difficult, I'm just struggling. I'm depressed, I'm, I'm having all kinds of problems. I mean, pastor, do you hear me? I'm depressed. Hmm, sounds like you're closer to anointing than you think. The pressure is what helps you discover who you are. And so this may surprise you, but I wanna challenge you today. I'm gonna to press in today if I can. And I wanna tell you something. Look at the scripture. It says in 2 Corinthians 1, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. So God's like, oh, I'm sorry you're having a hard time. Now get up and go help them. You're like, okay, wait, wait, but God, I, I'm not healed up. I mean, I'm wounded, I'm, I'm struggling. And you're telling me to go help someone else? Yep. So let me get this straight. So I'm scraped up and I'm bleeding and I'm in the emergency room and you want me to get up and walk around and help everyone else with their wounds. Exactly. It's one of the healthiest things you can do. You get heart surgery, guess what they do 30 minutes after the heart surgery? Get up, let's walk around. 
They're like, seriously? Yep, gotta make sure that heart takes, which means we gotta get you up. You don't grow your body back to health without putting a new demand on it. God is gonna put a new demand on you while you're still hurt. You're like, Pastor Emmanuel, first point, you're telling me I got a tithe and now you tell me to suck it up and even though I'm still hurting, you get involved in helping. Yep, welcome to the press. <laughs> welcome to the press. And so it goes on to say this, we have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. How does the oil flow in your own life? When you begin to use your gifts to help other people, you get healed too. Does that make sense? Get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on other people. If you'll do that, it'll heal you. It'll heal you. It really will. Psalms, one, uh, Psalms 34 says this. You, some of you write, but I'm so hurt. I'm so torn up. I'm so brokenhearted. How can I help anyone else? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Look at the scripture says about that. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those whose spirits have been crushed. So you say, but I, I just, I, I'm gonna need God to help me because I don't know how I can help others because I'm so hurting. Well, God's closer to you. You know why? Because you're brokenhearted. And so you'll, you'll sense God closer to you than the person who's not going through a difficult time. And so you're more in tune with the Spirit. You're more in tune with God moving through you. Why? Because you had to cling to God because of the difficulty you're going through. So this is actually a good thing. So I am pressing you to utilize your life as medicine for others, and that same anointing will flow on your own life as well as God uses you to help other people. Then the last part here of the second anointing is perfume and cosmetics. What does this mean? It says in Titus 2.10, in everything they do, they will make the teaching of God our Savior attractive. Can I talk to the singles for a second? Singles, let me help you out right now. What this verse is telling us is to quit looking for someone and focus all your energy on stepping in and pressing into your purpose, into your anointing, because there is nothing more attractive than someone that's going somewhere. There is nothing more attractive than someone who is stepping into their purpose, stepping into their anointing. And so you will not have to go find someone. If you'll just find your purpose, God will cause the person that you want to chase you if you'll just chase the Lord. Amen. Does that make sense? Press in, press in. God can use this in your life in a great way. You can quit swiping left and right, save yourself some time and focus on the Lord. Pour into him, that is what we need to do. So the second pressing is for food, medicine, perfume and cosmetics. You literally are more attractive when you seek the Lord and use your gifts for him. And the third pressing, oh, this is the one nobody wants. Oh yeah, third pressing is important though. So the first pressing is about surrender. The second pressing is about utilizing our gifts to bring healing to the world as well as healing to, our, healing to ourselves. It provides for our family. It also frankly makes you more attractive. In other words, it helps you become a leader because you're stepping in your anointing. Leaders are just people who are doing what they're called to do. That's why they're good. And so they're just doing what they're called to do. The third one, oh, this is tough. This is when the oil is clumpy. It's not pretty. It's not attractive. This is not something you wanna buy. It doesn't look very nice. In fact, it's so bad that they just clump it together because they use it for two different purposes. The first is for oil lamps. It says in scripture in Psalms 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so it literally lights the way. Did you know, by the way, the oil lamp is used in the temple? Do you know when you step in your anointing, it keeps this place alit? It keeps this place, the flame going. Did you know that? People say, what makes churches alive and thriving when you're living your purpose? When you do that, nobody wants to not be here. They all wanna pack this place. Why? Because they're like, I wanna go to that church. Why? God's moving there. 
Have you met those people? They're stepping into their purpose. That place is anointing. God's hand is on that place. Those people are amazing, stepping in, doing what God's called them to do. You know what, what makes a church come alive? People that are alive. That's what makes a church come alive. Become alive. Use your gifts. Use your gifts for God. And then the last one here is soap. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This may surprise you, but one of the things that will sustain you morally is not the absence of temptation. Jesus said, lead us not into temptation. He didn't say remove the temptation. Basically, I hate to break it to you, Jesus is trying to tell you and me, temptation is always gonna be there. If you think, oh man, I can't wait for the day, I hear guys say this, I can't wait for the day that I'm older, my libido slows down, I won't be tempted by lust anymore. I haven't met any guy that's, that's got old enough for that to happen. <laughs> so what that means is that you and I instead need to learn to have self-control that the Spirit gives us. And so what causes that? Well, honestly, one of the things that keeps me morally upright is not because I'm so holy, it's because I have so much invested with what God's doing in my life. Why would I risk all that? Why would I risk it? And so your anointing, when you have something going on in your life, you don't wanna throw that away. When your marriage is anointed, when your kids are in that anointing, when God's using it in a powerful way, why would you throw that away? And so if you step in your anointing, it will keep you pure and honorable towards the Lord and towards others. And so I wanna encourage you with that to step in your anointing because it will literally, uh, it'll, it'll provide purity. Also, one more thing about the oil lamps real quick, I just wanna say. When people say to me, how do I know what to do next, Pastor? I've got this option and that option. I don't know what to do next. Can I help you with that real quick? You guys getting something out of this? Okay, check this out. This is what that means for you. The, the, the anointing is a, lights up an oil lamp. Guess what? Oil lamps are used to light up the church. Yes, the temple, but also they're used for you to walk with at night so you can see where you're going. And so what does that mean? When you have a decision to make and you can go this way or that and you don't know which one to do, it's real simple. Which way takes you closer to your anointing? That's the decision you make. Who should I date? Who should I marry? Which person out of all the people you've dated takes you closer to Jesus and your anointing? That's the one for you. Which job do I take? Which local, wh where do I live? What do I do next? What about this decision or that decision? What school do I go to? What's my major? Which one takes you closer to your anointing? See, decisions become easy when you know who you are in Christ. And so if you'll just pour into Christ and lean in and discover who you are in Christ, then he will show you who you are, which determines your steps. So I wanna encourage you to press into that anointing. Does this make sense, guys? You guys enjoying this? I hope this is making sense to you. Next part. I wanna ask our uh, ushers right now at all of our campuses to pass something out. We have something to give you, a little gift for you right now. And so ushers, would you help me out right now? We've got a little something we're gonna get to you. And while we're doing that, I just wanna give you two more points and we'll wrap it up. Uh, number two, you're anointed, you are anointed, which means you're gifted and empowered to be a witness. You say, well, how can I be a witness? How can I infect, affect other people to get them to come to church with me, to get them to experience Christ? Oh, that's real simple. You start racking up wins in your life and people wanna hear from you. What's the first thing to do when, when some boxer wins the match, when some UFC fighter wins the match? They put a mic in their face. So tell me about that. Tell me about your win. And all of a sudden you hear guys that are Christians, what they say, they say, I want to take a moment to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? And guess what? Everybody listens. Why? You're a champion. You got the mic. It's yours. You won that. Tell us what you want to tell us. And so guess what? When you begin to rack up victories in your life because of the anointing that you're leaning into, people want to hear from you. You suddenly have influence and you can bring people to Jesus. And so check out the scripture. Acts 1.8 says this, but you shall receive power, which means ability, efficiency, and might. 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. That power is not for anything. That power is for you to use your anointing so you can be a better witness to bring people to Christ. Luke 14, 23 says, go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. You know what's gonna compel people? The word of your testimony, who you are to them. If you are good at sales, then guess what? You can convince all the salespeople around you to come to church with you. Why? They respect you because you're good at it. If you're good as a student, guess what? You'll be able to draw other students to come to church with you. Why? Because they respect you in the classroom. If you're good in the military, if you are sharp and you are on the fast track, guess what? When you talk about your Lord and Savior, people will listen to you because there's an influence that you have. God wants to give you influence. Come on, somebody get excited because you have an anointing. You do. You are anointed to be a witness. Now, we gave you a little, a little key card actually. And uh, it says, I love with a blank uh, spot on it. I've already got mine filled out here and I put it on my keychain. This is what this is for. And so, and I put down a guy that I really do care for and I wanna help bring him to church this Easter. And so I'm gonna ask God, since you are anointed to be a witness, to put someone on your heart that you can invite to Easter. You know how I know you're gonna remember? Because we're gonna put this on our keychain. That means every time you pull your keys out to start your car, to unlock the door at your house or apartment, you're gonna see this and remember, oh, that's right, I'm supposed to bring this person with me that I love to church for Easter so they can hear about Christ. Easter is one of the largest attended services at churches all across America and around the world because everyone sees it as a holiday, so they come to church. And so there are people that will not normally come to church with you if you invite them that will say yes for Easter which means you and I have an opportunity. So right now there should be a Sharpie in the seat pocket in front of you. Those in the front row, I think we place someone underneath the seat for you too. But I wanna ask you right now to pull out that Sharpie and as God puts someone on your heart, write their name down. Would you do that? I'm gonna call my friend this week and say, hey man, I was thinking about you. In fact, I was thinking about you while I was preaching. And I wanna invite you to come to Easter. Would you be my special guest this Easter? Would you just come be a part of our services? I would love to have you, just would love to see you. And so I believe God's gonna put someone on your heart that you can invite to Easter because you're anointed to do this. And guess what? You know why I want to attach this to your keys? Because you know what the key to Easter is? You. You say, no, the key, no, pastor, the key to Easter is Jesus. Yeah, he already did his part. He went to the cross. In fact, not only did he do his part, he finished his part. That's why he said in John 19, 30, it is finished. Then he gave up his spirit. His spirit was not taken from him, he gave it up. He gave his life for you and me. And then he said, it is finished as he was dying. And so let me ask you something. How many of you guys have been thinking about bringing a friend with you to church for a while? You're like, oh, I need to bring old Jimmy. I keep forgetting to call him. Oh, I keep forgetting to call Juan. I keep forgetting to call Melissa. I keep forgetting to call. And we have someone in our mind, but we just haven't done it. Isn't it time to finish the job? Jesus said, it is finished when he finished the work of the cross. And by the way, when he finished the work of the cross, by the way, guess what? Guess what we call him because of that? We call him the Messiah. And you know what the Messiah means? It means the anointed one. He was anointed to die. In fact, when Jesus was born, one of the gifts he was given was oil. Did you know that? That was used to anoint kings when they die. He was anointed at birth to give his life. And so Jesus was anointed to die for you and you are anointed to live for him. You are, you are. So I wanna challenge you, number three, to become a finisher. To become a finisher. 
When Jesus had received the sour wine, I think that's interesting that it's also wine, which is, goes through a crushing, and he was crushed. He said, it is finished, and he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to give, up, give it all up for Jesus? We, we, you know what? We freak out over, oh, what's my neighbor going to think if I invite him to church? Like, really? That's what you're going to freak out over? You know, oh, man, I can't believe pastors asked me to tithe and to give them. Oh, that's going to be so tough. Really? I mean, you want to complain to Jesus about giving 10% of your income? Say that to Jesus while he's hanging on a bloodstained cross. Guys, he went through the ultimate pressing. And the truth is, many people here go, oh, pastor, I want a deep sermon. I want to be challenged. I want to grow in my faith. Then accept the pressing that we're giving you right now. Because if you will, you'll see the anointing flow in your life. There was an old man dying, and uh, he, was, uh, he was on his deathbed. And he you know, was a little delusional because he was dying, which, which is to be expected. And as he's laying there, he kind of looks around, and he sees these young friends come gather around him, and he feels like he recognized him. He's, hi. And he saw them all around him. They, they gather around him. He says, I feel like I know you. And one of the friends said, you do. You do know us. Oh, this is so great. You've, you're my friends from years past, and you've come to, to say goodbye as I, as I die. And they said, oh, no, no, we're not your friends from your past. We're the gifts you never used. We came to die with you. Don't die with your gift still in you. Use everything you've got for God. That's your anointing. Will you use your gifts for God? Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed? Would you use your gifts to develop all of who you are for Christ and then utilize that to be a witness, to make a difference, to make an impact? Would you be that guy? Would you be that girl? Would you be the one to make a difference in your school, in your workplace? Oh, Pastor, you know how hard it is in my workplace. I'm the only Christian there. Wow, God trusts you. Man, he really trusts you. If you're really the only Christian in your whole division, he really trusts you. He thinks you got it. Wow, how's that going? Your head bowed and your eyes closed. Please look down at that name you wrote down on your card as you attach it to your keys. Make a commitment today. Say, God, I'm going to bring them because I love them. I do. And I want them to know Jesus. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, do you know Jesus? Have you received him? You can pray and you see Christ right now. Would you pray this simple prayer with me? You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.